again, thank you for being here at Lake Point. And some of you, just maybe your first time, or maybe your first time in a long time, maybe it's the first time since, uh, you know, the, the pandemic. Welcome back. And I'm so glad that you can worship with us. If this is your first time or you've been here every week, uh, and you should find a connection card or you can find it online. Uh, there's a digital, you can touch the number and, in front of you and you get a little digital connection card in that program. And make sure you download that program. All kinds of stuff is happening uh, coming up in the next few weeks, in the next month. And uh, let me just say this, uh, um, in, in two weeks, in two weeks from today, um, our LP kids at the 11 o'clock hour right here, we're opening up our nursery and toddlers. So we'll have the full uh, LP kids um, operation, operational at the 11 o'clock hour. And then we're also going to open up at the 9.15, the elementary only. We're just taking a little baby step, but elementary at the 9.15. So give you a little bit more options if you have older kids, you know, to go either service at 9.15 or 11 o'clock. Also in two weeks, let me just say this, we have communion. First time in a while, uh, we had a virtual communion during the pandemic, and, um, but we will be having communion. And you're wondering how we're going to do it. You know, normally, we like to pass the, the, the plate and the, you know, something you get. We're not going to pass anything. Um, you're not going to drink. We're all not going to be drinking from the same cup. Okay, we've never done that. We're not going to do that now. That's not a good idea. Um, so, but what we'll be doing is as you come in, we'll have prepackaged uh, communion juice and, and the cracker together. And, and someone at the doors with gloves on will glove it to you, hand it to you. And, and, and during the service at some point, you'll, you'll, we'll, we'll ask you to pull that out and you'll have that ready to go. And so that's in two weeks. Just to help you understand, but uh, communion is just a very important part of of what we're supposed to do as a church as we reflect and remember that the sacrifice and the salvation found in Jesus Christ, and, and, and that's what we believe with communion. That's in two weeks. And if you're going to be watching online, uh, by the way, if you're watching online, glad to have you with us. But just make sure in two weeks you have some crackers, some juice ready, ready to go. So when it's your time, you can participate with us from wherever you might be. And, um, but that's in two weeks. Two weeks from today. Well, um, today we're going to talk about the uh, faith over fear. We've, we've been talking about um, the fear of, of failure. We talk about the fear of, of the future, the fear of rejection. Uh, and today, I want to talk about the fear of God, the fear of God, and what that means. And let me just kind of set this up a little bit. Um, every week, this Fear, by the way, fear is a motivator for me. I, I, I don't want us to leave the series thinking that fear is a sin. You know, fear, fear is something that God created for us to have. It, it, when we allow that fear to overcome, to override our faith, that's where we have problems, all right? That's the sin. But it, there's a healthy balance of fear that we need to have, and it's a motivator. It, it can be a motivator. For example, if the house is on fire, Fear motivates you to run out of the house, okay? And so fear, it's not a bad thing. And fear in my life, I have this fear. It's a motivator every week. It, it, it begins to swell up every Monday. Every Monday morning, it begins to swell up a little bit in my life. And then by, by Wednesday, Thursday, you know, the, the, 
the chop, it starts to chop, the, the waves start to get a little bit bigger, five, seven feet waves. So it becomes really small on Monday, and by Wednesday, Thursday, building up. By Saturday night, I feel like it's a tidal wave. I feel like the storm surge is coming in, and it's about to sweep me out. And, and they're like, what are you talking about? It, it's the fear that I have, the fear of God, knowing that on Sunday morning that I am a conduit for the word of God, that I'm even speaking the word of truth, and that I am going to be held accountable to a holy God on everything that I say, every word I say. I know on any given Sunday, I know that the word that I'm bringing to the the service every Sunday, on any given Sunday, that there is someone, that there could be someone here on the edge of disaster for their life. I know that on any given Sunday, someone might be checking out Lake Point for the very first time. I know that perhaps on any given Sunday, that there could be a faraway type you know, a, a, a far away from God type person that given Christianity just one last chance on any given Sunday. On any given Sunday, I could be talking to someone who, who's dealing with a, tra- a tragedy. Maybe they got bad news from a doctor, so maybe there was a death in their family on any given Sunday. And, and, and uh, you know, that's why I get nervous. That's why sometimes I get you know, a little excited when I talk, you know, but I'm on Saturday nights, you know, I'm sleepless because I know, I know what I'm doing is so essential, vitally important. And all these things are bouncing around in my head and this, and this is the fear of God that I'm dealing with. Not a bad fear because when I take it, feels serious before an almighty God. And some of you might be like, Scott, I know exactly what you're talking about, the fear of God, I get it. I know what you mean by that, but I know there could be a lot of you, you're, you're like, what is this fear of God stuff? What is it? And, and the fear of God is one of the most misunderstood concepts in the entire Bible. I believe that so many of us were foggy, might be a little muddy, when it comes to this important topic. But I believe, and I'm praying that after today, that the fog will be lifted up and that the mud will be washed away and that you and I will begin to understand what is a healthy fear of God and how to have a fear of God in your life. It's a good thing. As we talk about this fear of God or the fear of the Lord, the phrase is used, if you're taking notes, 25 times in the Bible. 25 times. We see it 14 times in the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. We see the theme in other phrases as well. We're talking about being afraid of God or, or, or fear him. And, uh, but throughout the Bible, we see the fear, the fear of the Lord. Notice what the Bible says. I look at two verses right up front. It says in Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge. Verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, the fear of the Lord is the 
starting point, the launching pad for knowledge and for wisdom. And I think most of us in this room, we want knowledge. We want wisdom. And it's all connected to the fear of the Lord. Now, the, the term fear of God could easily summon up the wrong image of God, the wrong image. And, and, and it's not something that God wants you to think about. It's not something I want you to think about. So for some people, that when they think about the fear of God, they think that God is a, a bogeyman. You know, he's about to jump out behind any doors and spit out fire out of his mouth and watch you sizzle on the pavement. For, for others, you know, we see, we, when we talk about the fear of God, you know, you have this idea of a, of a bully. You know, you remember that bully when you were growing up in the neighborhood. You got that bully that you're picturing, and you think about the fear of God. For some, when I talk about the fear of God, you, you treat it like you're superstitious. You know, you're superstitious like it's a, like, oh, man, it's number 13, it's bad luck. Oh, the fear of God. And, and all of those are, are not the proper image or a healthy image of who God is. A good way for you to, to help you understand what it is, uh, another personal story. The past um, February, I, was, uh, I received a phone call from a local pastor. And he said, hey, Scott, I've got an opportunity for you. I've invited other pastors in our area, but I got an invitation, and I, was, uh, and I got an invitation to invite other pastors to come to a briefing at the White House. And I'm like, the White House? Said, yeah, yeah, would you like to come to the White House to attend this briefing? I have no idea what I'm going to attend, what briefing. I just heard invitation, White House. I said, yes. Of course I said, yes, you go to the White House. I mean, how often you get invited to the White House? And so I said, yeah, sign me up. He said, when are we going? He said, we got to go in two weeks. Got to fill out all the paperwork. They got to do all the background checks, all the security checks, and we got to have it done today. You got to get the paperwork done today. And I said, all right, give me the paperwork. And so I fill out the paperwork, and, and, and uh, they make sure that I'm not, you know, a criminal, you know, or, or, or some crazy guy. And I, I cleared, okay? So that's a good thing for you, all right? That's a good thing for you. Uh, so I, I, I got passed, uh, approved to go to the White House, and we, we, we flew in uh, early March, um, right before this, you know, everything shut down. Um, you know, just God kind of blessed me with the timing of this. And uh, so we, we, we fly in, and, um, and, and, and I got to go into the White House. Here's a couple of pictures. Look at the first picture. This is the back door, back door of the White House. And uh, by the way, the White House is a lot bigger than you think. I mean, you see this little White House with all the buildings. You, you know, there are 1,500 people that work at the White House, over 1,500 people. This is a big building, okay? And, and, so, and, and so I remember just kind of walking through the halls, and there was an overwhelming sense of awe. As I reflect, as I, and one of the things I was doing at the White House, I just prayed. I made it a prayer walk, okay? I prayed through the White House, prayed for, you know, you know uh, the current leaders. I, I prayed for future leadership. I prayed that God would continue to use it as a beacon of freedom in this world in a, in a, in a, in a positive light. And, and, and so I'm praying through here, and I'm overwhelmed as I think about the leaders from all over the world that have walked the halls of this building. 
And it was incredible. We, we, we walked through here, and then part of the White House compound, it, it, this building right here, if you look at the next picture, this is the Eisenhower uh, Executive Office Building, the EEOB. Everything's an acronym down there, okay? All right, the EEOB. And, um, and this is where we held the briefing. And, uh, and this is where the Vice President of the United States, that is where they work. There's a third office building right next to the White House. I was up on the fourth floor in our briefing room took a, looking out the window, and this is what I see out the window uh, of my view of the White House. The first part is the West Wing. And um, I didn't put this picture up, but I actually took a picture of the Marine One helicopter because I saw it land, and I took a picture of it. Oh, that's cool. And a few minutes later, it took off. And I, after the trip, I was looking through the picture, and... I said, wait a minute, I kind of zoom in, and I actually took a picture of the president. I didn't realize it, okay? Um, <laughs> it was right there. I didn't even focus in on that. But right here, and, and I'm just incredible. I'm just, wow. Now, here's one more picture. I was walking in the hallway of this building that I'm in, the EEOB, and check out this last picture. Office of the vice president. And I love this. Please knock. <laughs> I was like, okay, please knock. What, what's up with that? And, and, and here's, what th- here's what I know you're thinking about. You're thinking, Scott, did you knock? <laughs> you're probably thinking that. And, and let me just tell you, I wanted to, but I knew better. I knew better because, man, I didn't want to do anything out of turn because I knew that everything I was doing, every step, Every step that I took, there's a video of me. There's a video of everything that's happening. They're watching me. And I'm not going to be the guy that gets chopped. Or I'm not going to be the guy that gets thrown in jail. Or or I'm not going to be the guy that's sentenced to wear Michigan State green for the rest of my life. (laughs) Ain't going to happen. I mean, I knew better. I knew where I was. I knew that I was being watched. And I knew that, man, this is, wow. There was a sense of, uh, with that thought in mind, let me just give you the definition of the fear of God. It's the fear of God. It's a continual awareness that I am in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. And that every thought, every word, every action, Every deed is open before him and is being judged by him. It's being judged by him. I want you to think about this. If you were continuously aware that all of your thoughts, actions, deeds, words would be displayed publicly so that everyone in here could hear them or watch them or see them, it would make an unbelievable difference in the way you live, in the way I live. In fact, a lot of us, we do worry a great deal about what other people think, and that's what I talked about last week, the fear, the fear of man. But if we have this kind of fear of other people, how much more should we have of the fear of, of God, the fear of God? We need to recover and have a healthy fear of God. And you say, well, Scott, what's in it for me? Why? 
why, why the fear of God? What those, why should I have the fear of God? I'm going to give you four quick benefits. There's more that I can give you. But I want to just capture four real quick, and then I'm going to talk about how we can have the fear of God. If you're taking note, four benefits. Number one, direction. Do you want, do you desire God's direction in every decision you make? Do you desire that? Bible says in Psalm 25 or 12, who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the way they should choose. He will guide you. He will instruct you. Direction. Blessing. Number two, blessings. Do you want to have the best quality of life that you can possibly have on this earth? Do you want that? Bible says in Proverbs 22 verse 4, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages, or the payoff for the fear of the Lord, are riches and honor and life. By the way, that word humility, we'll come back to that idea in a few minutes. Humility, connected to the fear of the Lord. A third benefit, contentment. Do you want to be satisfied with the life that God has given you? Do you want to be satisfied? Do you want to live a content life? Or are you always thirsty and hungry for more and never be satisfied and always be hungry? What do you want? And if you want contentment, have to fear the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his, ho- you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. You have everything you need. Uh, a fourth benefit, spiritual growth over sin. Spiritual victory. A spiritual, victorious Christian life. You want to stay away from temptation and have victory over sin. Proverbs 16, verse 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. And I think for all these things, I, I want to sign up for that. I think most of you want to sign up for direction and contentment, and blessings, and, 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 a, and a Victoria Christian life. I think you want it too, if the truth would be told. And you say, man, I want that. And so how do we develop the fear of God in our lives? How do we have this? Well, three things. I want to break down kind of that uh, definition I told you. I'm going to break it down in these three thoughts here. We need to recognize, number one, who God is. Recognize who God is. We must regularly tell God who he is. We must regularly do it. Does God need it? Does God say, well, I didn't know. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I was God. Man, I, I made the heavens and the earth? Wow. I made that. What? Are you telling me I sent my only son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world? I did that? Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that was God. It's like, yeah, God, God knows that. Of course he does. The reason why we recognize who God is, it's not for his benefit, but for you. You need to know it. Because when I regularly recognize who God is in my life, my pride, it takes a ride. My ego begins to melt. I realize that he is God. I'm not. 
I'm not. And I'm here to say something, tell you something. I am a sinner. You know that? The pastor right here, this man of the cloth, whatever that is, you know. Hey, I'm a sinner. And if left unchecked, I'll go south. Because I can let pride get in the way. I can let my ego get in the way. And if I don't regularly recognize who God is, if I don't give him the significant slot in my life, if, if, I, if I don't do those things, then suddenly I think I'm God. And not that I am God ruling over a universe called me. That I'm in charge. And a lot of people I meet these days, a lot of people today, they think they're God. They, they don't say it. They don't say it, but they don't rec- regularly, regularly recognize who God is. They say, man, I'm the one that called the shot. You know, I, I pull myself up by my bootstraps. You know, I, I make the money. I'm in charge. I determine my own destiny. I forge my own path and my future. I, you don't say it, but I'm God. I'm God. We must recognize who God is. And then and only then will we begin to have a healthy fear of God. And once we recognize who he is, then we'll be able to recognize the healthy balance between love and fear. Between love and fear. They're connected. Love and fear is connected. You can't have one without the other. It's important to have both. You know, when I think about certain things that are connected, you can't separate them. I think of a couple things. Um, I think of money and Bill Gates. They're, they're just linked together, right? Um, Detroit and cars, right? They're, they're linked together. Here's one. Maybe you can help me out. Chips and... Okay, I didn't hear any of you, but listen, uh, <laughs> it sounds good. Uh, maybe you said queso. Tom, you would have said queso. Okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, maybe you're like me, you said chips and salsa, okay? But either one, they go together. Um, here's an easy one. Batman and... They're good. All right, one more. Email spam and my grandma opening it, okay? <laughs> Without fail. All right, those things, those, all these things are inseparably linked together. So is love and fear. Love and fear. Psalm 33, verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. Psalm 118, verse 4. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Fear and love, they're balanced. They're balanced. If I were to get on a seesaw with my little girl, Abigail, she weighs, Ken, what's she weigh, 40, 45 pounds? All right, it's been a while, but she's little, right? Seven-year-old little Abby, all right? I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but if I wanted to, we could get on a seesaw, and I can come down really hard on my end and let her, catapult her out of the playground if I wanted to. <laughs> but I'm a loving father, and I wouldn't do that. You know, and what would I do on a seesaw? I would control the balance. I would control the balance. If we don't recognize who God is, and we don't recognize, uh, we won't recognize the critical balance between fear and love. It's important that we have this balance. If you fall too far on the fear side, then you become legalistic. 
that Christianity becomes all about rules and regulations about all the thou shalt do and thou shalt not. Now, by the way, there, there are principles in the Bible we absolutely must follow. But I'm talking about the man-made rules that we can come up with. Maybe you've been a part of a church that's been like that, or maybe you've been a part of an organization that was like that. All about the rules, rules, and rules, and never about relationship. And, and, and so you're out of balance. You've got the oh, fear of God. This is where you feel God is that, oh, man, that fire can come out of my mouth. It, you know, he could have come down after me with his heavenly hammer. You're, you're constantly in that wrong side of fear. Uh, on the other side, there's some of you, you know, you got the, the seesaw balance the other way. You got, you know, love. And you say, man, I, I, God is an unconditional, you know, he loves me unconditionally. And, and yes, he does. But it doesn't give you a license to sin. It doesn't give you a license to say, you know, God, I could do whatever I want because I still know that you love me. Well, of course he loves you, but it doesn't give you a license to sin. You're out of balance. You need to have a balance between the fear of God and the love of God. They're both important. It's important to have both in your life. If you're taking note, the person that fears God the most loves God the best. The one that feared God the most but a healthy fear, not a legalistic fear, but the fear of, of man, God, I'm standing before an almighty, powerful God, and everything is before you. And man, God, I also know you're a God of love. It doesn't mean I can just do whatever I want. I still got the fear of God. I still got the balance, the love of God and the fear of God. That's the first part about helping us understand the fear of God. We've got to recognize who he is. We've got to understand the balance between fear and love. Number two, if you're taking notes, realize there are no secrets with God. There are no secrets with God. There's a, there's a word that some of us don't like to hear, but the word accountability. You know, oh, Scott, you have to go there. Accountability, listen, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And when we understand accountability, then we can understand the fear of God. There is a date. I think I can speak for all of us in this room. There is a date that we all love to hate. And that's April 15th. Now, unless it's your birthday, this morning I had someone say, well, that's my birthday too. And I said, well, then you got to love hate relationship with that day. Because you know April 15th, that's what? Tax day, right. We have to give an account. We have to measure up. We have to, everything before the federal government with our taxes and with our state government, we have to measure up. And listen, we can do all kinds of stuff. We can file attention. We can go through some uh, you know, financial gymnastics and some other hassle. But at the end of the day, there's a day of accounting. And in God's economy, you know that there's a quote-unquote April 15th for your life and for my life? There's a day that we will have accountable, we'll be held accountable to God for everything we've done. You know, financially, April 15th, 
It influenced how I spend my money, save my money, invest my money. But on a spiritual, my quote-unquote April 15th spiritually, it had a big influence on how I spend and invest my one and only life. And we're going to hold accountable. Just like, man, I'm walking the halls of the EEOB, vice president. Do I dare not? No, because I know there's someone watching there are no secrets. There are no secrets in the, in the White House. There are no secrets. Someone knows something. And for me to, to hey, I can do whatever I want. It's, it's archived. That day, I'm sure it, it's archived. They can go back to that day I was in and say, hey, this happened. They can go back to that day and look at every step I took. And there's going to be a day in your life and my life that God will review every step, every action, every word, every deed. And when we get that in our mindset, when we understand, okay, God, I'm aware that you're watching. There are no secrets. It helps me to have a healthy fear of God, not a scared fear of God. That's okay, God. I want to live my life the way you want me to live, with accountability. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look at God on April 15th and say, you know, God, I tried. You know, God, I wish I could have done it differently. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live a life of regrets. And I don't think you want to either. I think most of you, you want God's best for your life, do you? Do you want the best in your relationship, do you? Do you want the blessings of God in your life? Do you want the best for your finances and for your career? Do you want the best for your future? And I believe that most of us in here, yes, we do. And we need to recognize who God is, that he is God I'm not. And we need to realize that everything is before him. He sees all things, nothing's a secret. There are no secrets with God. Moses was at the base of Mount Sinai. He just got the Ten Commandments. And here's what he communicated to the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. He said to the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He said, God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now, let me make a couple quick thoughts here. He said, do not be afraid. And then he said, have the fear of God. He said, well, what are you talking about? You know, he said one thing and another thing. He said, listen, don't be afraid of all the phobias of your life. Get rid of that kind of fear. Get rid of, of the fear of failure and the fear of tomorrow and the fear of death and the future, the fear of, of rejection, or any fears you might have. He said, don't be afraid. And instead, have the fear of God, which will help you, keep you from sinning from sinning. So it's about love. It's about recognition. It's about accountability. Number three, we need to read and live by God's game plan. You got to read and live by his game plan. Not yours, but his plan. James chapter 1 verse 22, do not listen to the word and just deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. Just do it. You thought Nike they, got, they cornered the market on that phrase, just do it. No, 
James got it before Nike did. Nike, I mean, James said 2,000 years ago, hey, just do it. Don't just read the word of God. Do it. A question for you, first of all, are you reading God's word? Is it a priority in your life? Is it important? Do you thirst for the word of God? Or, or is it something that you do when you have time? And if, that's the, if that's the case, then you're just too busy. You need to make sure you prioritize the word of God and then not only just read it, but to do it. To do it. To do his word. Psalm 2 verse, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 and 5. He said, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, then in verse 5, he said, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. You know what's crazy about this whole fear of God and, and, and Proverbs? You know, I mentioned earlier, the, the fear of God is written 14 times in the book of Proverbs. 14 times. It's written by King Solomon, who's arguably one of the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, one of the most powerful kings of Israel. He was the son of David. And uh, one of the first things he did when he became king was ask God for wisdom. He said, God, I want your wisdom. And God gave it to him. I mean, that's what we see in the book of Proverbs, full of wisdom. But somewhere along the line in Solomon's life, he let, he let pride get in the way, quit being humbled. He, he got away from the idea of that, recognizing who God is, started worshiping him himself. He forget that everything is before an open book. It's an open book for, before God. He got his mind away from that. He got his mind away from reading what under the Holy Spirit what God has written through him, he stopped reading and doing the very thing that he wrote about in Proverbs. He got in the way. He got, you know, girlfriends and so many wives started living in his wealth. And for about 40 years, he went into a spiral, a sin spiral. Because he lost the fear of God. Or perhaps maybe he had his balance. Maybe he just said, you know, the fear of God, who cares? You know, the love of God, God still loves me. You know, regardless, so I'm just going to keep on sinning. And I know at the end of the day, maybe that was going through his mind. I don't know. But somewhere along the line, he lost it. He's now in the tail end of his life, and he's writing another book. You know, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. And this book right here, it's him looking back. And when you read Ecclesiastes, it's like he had a reckoning. He realized that his time was almost up, and he realized, you know what, I blew it. I started well, but I didn't finish well. And so he's writing Ecclesiastes, he's writing the lessons of life. And one of the last verses he writes in the book of Ecclesiastes is chapter 12, verse number 13. He said, here's the conclusion of the matter. I figured it out. I wish I knew this the whole time. In fact, I did knew it the whole time. I just got away from it. But here's the conclusion. Here's the, here's the, here's the final answer. Fear God. 
That's recognizing who he is and realizing that there are no secrets. And keep his commandment. That's a, a willingness to, to follow the commands of God, to read his word and to do it. He said, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For all mankind. Hey, let me ask you this. Are you going by God's game plan with your life? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you living by it? Perhaps you don't have the fear of God in your life. Perhaps you're not living by the fear of God. God simply wants people to say, you know, God, I want to do it your way. I, I'm, I'm not going to be a little God ruling my own universe called me. I, I, I'm, I'm ready to get in your game plan. I'm ready to, to you know, do what you want me to do. That's what God wants. That's what he wants you to say. That's what he wants you to be. He wants you to follow after him. We want to know God's game plan. I hope you do. You know, you know, you know Christianity. Christianity works. Christianity, it breaks the code of the messed up world that we're living in. You could turn the news on and, and there, there, there's whatever you want to call it, disaster all over. Brokenness going on. And everybody's trying to fix it. All the politicians trying to fix it. You know, my friend, the answer is not in Lansing. The answer is not in Washington, D.C. You know that? The answer is found in Jesus and him alone. He is the answer to a broken world that we're in. He is the answer that we need. Christianity, it breaks the code for this broken world that we're in. It's the code because this world has gotten away from the plan of God and trying to live their own life. God said, man, feel me. And if we can have a world that can look to God and say, God, you're the answer. I promise you. I promise you. It would take care of everything else. That's the broken world we're living in. Perhaps there's someone here today, you, you, you don't, you're not on God's game plan. We don't know Jesus. I've been talking about the fear of God. You can't have the fear of God until you get to know God, until you get to know him. He's the answer. He's the answer to your brokenness. Some of us, we have no idea about the game plan. You say, how do, I get in, how do I get in on God's game plan? How do I get to know who he is? How do I make that decision to follow Jesus? And to do that, four quick things. Number one, we have to understand that God unconditionally loves you. He unconditionally loves you. You matter to God. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But God loves us. He has a great game plan for every life here. Number two, we have to understand that you and I have blown it. We have blown it. We've struck out at the moral batting plate. We've struck out. We've dropped the ball. We've sinned. And our sins separate us from God. Number three, we have to understand that God, he took the initiative. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you and wait for me to get cleaned up to get better. He said, hey, while we were matching up, he came. 
died on the cross for you. Paid the sin, paid for your sins on the cross. Buried, rose again three days later. And number four, we have to understand that's your call to make. He paid the price. And he said, hey, I'm the gift of salvation. You must receive the gift. And it's your call to take it. It's your call to receive it. It's your call. We're not robots. We're not puppets. We're creatures made in the image of God. Therefore, we have a freedom of choice. You have a freedom of choice to either take the gift or to turn it down. And some of you need to make that call. Some of you need to say yes, but it's your choice to make. I can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you, teenagers. Your parents can't make it for you. Your husband or your wife can't make it for you. You have to make the choice. You have to make it. You have to give it to him. Faith over fear. Faith over fear. The more you fear him, the more you love him the best. I saw this quote this past week. I'm going to share this quote and we'll be done. He who fears God need to fear nothing else. And he who does not fear God needs to fear everything else. I pray that in this series that you've been challenged to live faith and to have faith over fears. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you have called us to a, a healthy fear of who you are. Not a scary fear, but a healthy fear. A, a fear that balance the fear of God and the love of God. I pray that we recognize who you are. God, I pray that we realize that our life is an open book. That one day, quote unquote, there will be an uh, 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 April 15th, a day of accounting. And we will have to answer to everything we've done. And God, I pray that we will live our life, not a life of regrets, but a life of holiness for you. And God, I pray that we will get in your word and just do it. God, perhaps there's someone here today that don't have a relationship with you. God, I hope they understand that you have a game plan for them. All you have to do all you have to do is walk in. Walk into the arena and get in the game. It's your call to make. Realize that God loves you. Realize that you've blown it. Realize that he took the initiative for you. That he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And so God, I pray that today they will make the call. And perhaps if there's someone here today that they'll talk to someone before they leave. Maybe one of our prayer team members after the service, they can come and talk to someone. Hey, I don't know Jesus and I want a relationship with them. And today, they can leave here today with a game plan that you want for them to have. They can have a relationship with you. And so God, we ask you to help us today to live faith over fear because the fear of God is what you want us to have. And when we have that fear, Nothing else matters. In Jesus' name, amen.